Hey y'all, welcome to the Self-Remembrance Podcast. Self-Remembrance is a sacred space for you to reconnect to the wisdom of your body. This is Megan Armstrong, and thank you so much for listening. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode on the Self-Remembrance Podcast. I am so excited that you are here with me today as I have another amazing guest on for this season, season two of the Self-Remembrance Podcast. (sighs) Welcome yourself into this space. And as you do, I'm going to introduce this beautiful guest we have here today. Tan Mutia Admilao is here with us to share their absolute brilliance. Tan's pronouns are she and they, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about their work and the incredible magic that they spread around this world. So in service is where Tan Mutia Admilao thrives. Tan blends her ancestral wisdom with a decade of social justice movement work to create healing spaces for community building. Their teachings are based on the universal truth that our relationships with ourselves feed into how we all have the potential to co-create a free world for us all. Tan's role in this movement is to teach rebellious joy that sustains the energy it takes to make this dream world a reality. Tan, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) Hello. I'm so excited. (laughs) I think I said that like five times already, but yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm super excited to, to jump into this incredible conversation around soul medicine and what your soul medicine is and how you just you get this hour to share your brilliance with everybody. So I am I'm pumped. Um, so before we jump into all of that, as most of you know, um, the Self Remembrance Podcast. Each episode, we we drop in with a little bit of breath for us to all sync up and be in space together. So. For all of you who are listening, whatever you are doing in this moment, if you have a moment to pause and maybe move your body a little bit, shake up the energy, and take these next few moments to really become aware of the flow of your breath. We're going to all do this together. So as your body begins to find stillness, You may feel your eyes soften, or you might keep them open, whatever feels most comfortable for you. And for these first few moments, become aware of where you are, how you feel. And then start to gently invite your breath in to that awareness of wherever you are and however you are feeling, allowing it to be a welcomed presence, inviting a deep breath in through your nose and allowing the exhale to flow out however it's wanting to release, whether that be out through the mouth or the nose. 
deeply breathing in through the nose, deeply breathing out, deep full breath in, deep full breath out. Inhaling, allowing this breath in to welcome you more deeply into the present moment. And as you exhale, feeling that softening, that releasing that happens, grounding you here. Let's just take one more together, deeply breathing in. And deeply breathing out. And... Being in this breath for as long as you'd like, maybe the whole episode, you're doing those long, deep breaths as you listen to this conversation. And if you're also ready to tune back into whatever you were doing, maybe cleaning the dishes or working on something on your computer or walking, tuning back into that frequency whenever you're ready, inviting in again a little bit of movement into your body, allowing the eyes to gently open if they were closed and just resettling in to this new moment and another version of you. <laughs> ah, so mm, I'm so, so excited. Everybody, again, welcome into this space. Welcome into this conversation. Tan, I would love to know before we go anywhere else, what's alive for you here now in this moment in your life? What feels alive? Oh, you know what's funny? As soon as you said the word alive, I just like had this glimpse of my brother like laughing. <laughs> like I'm not with him right now. We don't live in the same place, but that's for some reason the first thing that came to mind. Uh, when I think about rebellious joy, I always think of him too because like, he was my first teacher, I feel. Um, <laughs> so that's what brought me. Um, yeah, because he's a... Um, I don't know if I shared with you before, um, but his my brother struggled with like a, a, a critical like health journey from the moment he was born. Mm. Um, yeah, so he spent like his first almost two years of his life in like pediatric ICU. Wow. Um, yeah, he's a miracle baby, and so even though he doesn't have, let's say, the kind of language we speak, or um, yeah, he has this energy and laugh and will to live and love and a lot of it is through music that's his grounding that's his pleasure practice and um actually he learned how to speak through music so when i as soon as you said that for some reason i just saw him smiling and laughing and so that's what's mm -hmm. coming up for me right now <laughs> like how beautiful right because we're talking about really your story within rebellious joy and pleasure and if he's one of your biggest teachers it's like even if he's not physically in this space with you it's like he's here so oh i'm really happy i'm really happy to hear that and just excited that that gets to be part of this conversation mm. yeah <laughs> thanks for asking of course <laughs> Um, so most of y'all know this season on the self-remembrance podcast, we are talking about soul medicine and Tan, 
just we connected through Instagram, right? So I'm seeing your life through this digital platform and your energy is just so contagious. I love watching your videos. I feel your rebellious joy and your pleasure and you have a really powerful story. I can just feel it in your presence and and what you bring forth into the world. And so I would really love to hear the story about your body and soul reconnecting through pleasure and rebellious joy. And you can start anywhere in your story, wherever you want to tell it from and maybe where you are now. I love that. Yeah. You know, I think to explain where I am now, I'll start in the middle. (laughs) Um, So yeah, middle for me is like uh, 15 because I'm turning 30. I'm in my Saturn's return, actually. <laughs> um, and um, smack dab in 15, like, I, huge shifts for me where um, I think I, I was going through a path uh, where I let allowed a lot of my anger to kind of take me through life because it was protecting me through life. Um, and whether it was the anger I was experiencing um, at home or the anger that I gave, that I kind of atoned my, myself for my quote unquote sins. Um, yeah, I noticed that it was at the height of it um, at 15. And my relationship to anger now has changed so much. Um, but it, how it connects to my rebellious joy and pleasure is it, 15 was the first time I realized um, fully, I guess, embodied fully, like what it means to be queer. I guess, because um, I had these questions in my head before that that I never really could understand, like my relationship to my body, my relationship to attraction to other people and myself. It was all kind of different. And it all kind of made sense with my first really queer relationship um, and how it really put a distance between me and uh, my involvement with the church at the time. Yeah, so a lot of my um, upbringing was centered around some type of religion, and it was some form of Christianity, um, especially when my brother was in um, was struggling to live from the moment he was born. Suddenly, my family became super religious. You know, we were just like constantly people were praying for us, praying for him. I mean, still, I feel like um, that kind of spiritual energy is always around my family because of our lineage. Um, oh yeah, let's do some time travel. So, <laughs> um, so just to give some context, I don't know a lot about my biological father's side, but I know a lot about my mom's side because she basically was the anchor of my, my childhood. Um, her, uh, or my great, great, great grandfather um, founded a, a town in Southern Philippines um, in Mindanao and um, also founded his own kind of blend of indigenous and um, practices along as well as like Catholicism, but it wasn't quite the formalized Catholicism. So my, as a lot of sense, my mom came from a very mixed like um, background and spiritual like lineage as well. But when coming here, it was like um, a reconnection was always through some kind of trauma. Yeah. Um, and for me, interestingly enough, like that time was like a disconnection because I was realizing that it was 
really blunt in my face that what um I have to choose and sometimes like I choose happiness over safety um I think there's a quote running around probably somewhere in the internet where it's like that to be visibly queer is to choose happiness over safety um at times and it's just and I and a lot of it too is like if I choose to be visibly um gender queer too knowing yourself and being unapologetic whether it's the, your queerness identity or whether it's um like re even religion because I remember I would get backlash for being like really involved in the church but what people didn't know is that it was the only place I was physically allowed to go to at the time other than school because I had a very uh restricted like very con confined like conservative uh childhood until I was basically that age from 15 to 16 and things really changed um yeah I guess before I get too deep into it I I do want to share that I I come from a, a childhood of like of violence um so I learned a lot about how to protect myself um by being by living multiple lives yeah so I had to be a certain person at home but I got to be someone else at school and rebellious was definitely a word that I would choose to <laughs> describe who I was It's <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I, but I could never be that person at home. It just wasn't safe. Um, <laughs> and um, so a lot of like where I like learned like how to just like own myself, it really came from opposition um, from an early age. And then blended with the fact that I was pretty political as a, like a young person, and it wasn't as cool as it is today. <laughs> I was also very like sexually liberated, and it wasn't as cool as it is today too. Like slut shaming was like more trendy than it was <laughs> to like be sexually liberated. Uh, and it was, yeah, that was a very hard time in my life, um, trying to navigate, like, these different parts of me. Like, how can you be a sexual liberated person as well as someone who's spiritual, you know? How could you be a Catholic if you're queer? Like, like there were so many things telling me that, like, what I am is completely wrong, and I should be ashamed of it. And going through this, like, uh, fuck that, I can do whatever I want. I can live and I can give and I can also grow from a place of, of just being myself and I'm going to, I'm going to show you. Um, I, I got that attitude from kind of inherited from like uh, a, a parent who tried to be my father, who was very like, just mm, not good at that job. When I stepped up to take on responsibilities of, of a father and a mother to help my mom, um, kind of like escape this relationship and help free us um suddenly I learned a lot uh, more about like what it means to be connected in a community um because what happens when trauma like that happens it becomes so isolating um until you come forward and share that this is happening to you and suddenly you're you're surrounded with and what happened with me was I realized I was not alone um, there were so many people that had um, similar stories as me. And it wasn't that I was going public with, like, how I, what it was happening to me. But I had to explain, like, why I, 
I was working so much or why like with school like why 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 was I like not doing as best as I could but still able to like um, carry all these responsibilities and that's when I started to realize oh I have a sense of of wanting to belong somewhere and I'm not getting it at home I'm not getting it at school and then suddenly it shifted to like wanting to find ways to make sure that what happens what happened to me doesn't keep happening to other people and it gave birth to like the now I guess 10 years of going through um, my journey with social justice and how it brought me closer to myself and closer to like what it means to be authentically in community and in relationships with others Um, because there was no way in hell that our family could have gotten through what we did alone Um, yeah and I think oh my gosh (laughs) sorry so when I said my godmother was coming through today I'm um I, I really mean it's my brother's godmother um, I just remembered to like when I say that, oh, we did not go through it alone. Um, yeah, she was a big part of us being able to get back on our feet. Like when we didn't have a home, she housed us more than once, you know, like, and especially during that time, um, when we couldn't like, we couldn't afford to, um, find housing on our own. Um, and yeah, I, she's actually my brother's godmother, but I call her mine. Like they're all mine. I guess they're all ours. (laughs) Um, My mom actually met her and a group of other women as a nurse um, working at a particular um, psychiatric hospital. And these women are all immigrants and they all just became a sisterhood together. Yeah. All each other's godmothers to each other's children. And obviously to the date, some one of them died like still in close relationship with each other um and so yeah my mom was also the first person to like model that like friends mean a lot even though like she will look at my friends and my friendship differently like I saw it from firsthand I was like you can't tell me that friends don't mean anything to you if we're constantly like they're saving us we live in their homes sometimes like you know like I (laughs) Um, her strong sense of community is what I inherited too. And what also ultimately brought me to like this journey. Thank you. I just want to take a pause to like, for all of us who are witnessing Tan telling their story to really hear it. Because, yeah, because there's so much there. And so many things that I will never experience and probably a lot of our listeners too, right? And then there may be some of our listeners who are like, I've had a very similar experience. And that's what is so beautiful about sharing our stories and our experiences is that um, for those of us who are just so open to hold space and just listen, and really absorb and 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 witness just brings such a perspective you know and a way of of connecting to to each other as human beings so just thank you for opening and sharing um i can now really see the importance through your your story and the part of your story that you told you know the importance of building this community and how that has been such a 
a through line for you through most of your life, it sounds like. And that, of course, the work that you do, it's, it's, you have these beautiful gifts and, and this medicine and building the community is a huge part of that, right? Because, um, and I'm finding this too with myself within my own story and journey of the breakthroughs that I have and the breakdowns and, you know, all of these things. It's like, if we keep it to ourselves, um, I don't know. It's it feels sad to me. It feels sad, right? And and as humans, we're meant to connect with one another and build a community. And you know, whether we share the same experiences or not, we can still just create a connection and just yeah, it's so beautiful. So just thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that part. I feel like knowing so much of that then really paints a picture of where you are now because it's to me from a person who simply observes you online it looks different than everything that you just explained and you told us and so but it it like i don't know it just paints it just paints the background right it 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 just gives it so much more depth. Um, so yeah, based off of anything that I just shared, continue on with whatever is coming up and feeling alive for you. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, thank you for, for sharing that there's pieces of what you said that really, it's what motivates me to, to share my story because, um, what people see, um, so like, I guess if, if I were to share, like, what it means to show up in in spaces it's like a tree <laughs> my friend uh, recently used this metaphor for like growing a business where there's a lot that goes um up underground before it ever reaches above ground it's like a tree and its root systems and so for me it's the same thing like my <laughs> my offering and groundingness to this world is like you said uh, rebellious joy and pleasure but where it comes from where it's rooted. It's not uh, the same thing as what people experience from the top, um, what they get to see in the bloom, I guess. And um, it's it's a lot of getting to really be intimate and knowing me to really know like that story. Um, but I, I definitely share because of um, what you said is that whether we all have, we align or mirror or reflect in the same experiences, um, what's underlying here is the hope for love and belonging. Um, like regardless of where I've come from, I know that what moves me and what brings me closer to others is their love and hope for the world and each other. Um, no matter what they went through, <laughs> you know, um, that always amazes me that like, I know not everyone is a big fan of humanity all the time um but i always say that humans are my favorite because if i were to pretend to be like an angel or something i would just like look down and be like oh how cute they keep fucking up but you know what they keep trying how cute humans are my favorite they make a problem and they make a solution that solution makes another problem and they just keep going <laughs> and so i <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes to all of that. <laughs> right? 
like, oh my God. <laughs> and so, oh gosh, and much of what I, um, so, it's, so, so it's really telling when you said like, oh yeah, what I shared right now is not quite what you see on the internet. Um, yeah, because what I, I'll, sh it's like I'm showing people like time travel through like this like um, journey in in finding what grounds me despite all of the things that have hurt me and continue to hurt me in some ways and mm -hmm. sometimes continue to soften me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is, is from the past. And I never really had the opportunity to, to look at my past self as strong as, as whole. Um, until recently I started my so one of my practices I don't share online too, which is kind of funny, um, is journaling. I journal and draw almost every single day, um, and I I purposely use old journals that I haven't finished so that I can imbue my current self with the past self. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah, because there's some journals I I left, I stopped and abandoned um, because. I, there were just so many things in my life that was going on. I just couldn't reflect at the time. And, and if I would pinpoint those moments, those were the times I was most uh, lost. Um, and I, for me, the practices that I have, that whether it's rebellious joy or pleasure or mindfulness, whatever it is, the embodiment of liberation, how it comes through is um, when I am most connected and aligned and in those practices, I can be resilient and I can grow even if it hurts. Um, mm -hmm. And I can be here even when like the next moment I, I fully say yes to whatever pain that I'm experiencing as much as I fully say yes to a lot, like laugh that um, comes through when I think of something silly. Like the reason why is because um, I noticed that the disconnection um, the the losing, the forgetting who I am and what I stand for, it comes when I allow the, the abundance of life, especially driven by capitalism, that just continues to add more suffering. Um, that is like rooted in this ways of like the solution that we're given or forced to believe is that we have to model a certain kind of person. And uh, we have to be in close proximity to a certain level of income. Um, and if we are, quote unquote, working hard enough to get there, then we don't deserve it. Um, so those myths, and whenever I, I slip into those myths, and that becomes my world, I notice that I am a different person. And I, I looked at my journals and I was like, oh, yeah, those are the times where I wasn't journaling. I've been journaling since the moment I could, like, I, I couldn't even write words. My dad said he <laughs> gave me journals because um, he said I was a very, like, I wanted, I, I was had a lot of energy as a kid, I guess. I can imagine. And, and that I talked a lot. <laughs> that didn't change. Um, so to help me as a kid, <laughs> he would give me books. And then I was like, oh, I want to write. So he gave me journals where I would, I would like, or notepads. I, I think I had some of them. They're like, they're like ugly drawings, whatever. I mean, they're beautiful, whatever. I was a child. But I mean, <laughs> like I would scribble stuff. So like scripture and the act of writing, that has been me from day one. I guess because there's just so much going on inside. I need to express it. Um, and so when I was going back to this practice of journaling every day, um, starting, I think, I believe it was 2019. Yeah. 
that was the year before 2020. Um, I decided to, that was the year of a lot of changes. I decided to do a lot of things. Um, and one of them was the journaling practice. I looked back and the, I filled in the gaps in which I stopped, I let go of my, um, I abandoned those daily mindfulness um, techniques, I guess. I didn't know what mindfulness was, but at the time, or I couldn't put the words to it, but now I can see. And sometimes in these journals, I would, I go back and I comment to myself, like what I was going through. Um, and I, and it started to influence some of my meditation practices. So sometimes when I'm in my most pain um, and I have a, an ugly feeling when I look into my past self, I remember what room I, I slept in. And I try to visualize where I was and I try to remember that pain and I try to go back there spiritually, I guess, to my former self to share love and honor. because I. I feel like I see myself more as trying and thriving than I did um, back then when I was actually felt like I was, I was gone. <laughs> like I, I never even wanted to be there. And I was so disassociated half the time that I probably wasn't always there um, living my life. But now, I'll, yeah, that's been a, a huge part of my practice. And, um, journaling um now looks so different um for me i do it with my clients like i I write like drawings and i take pictures of it and send it to them and it's like these love notes <laughs> and i i don't separate my quote-unquote work journal with my personal journal all of it is together because it's well it's all me anyways <laughs> um and I, that's uh, one of the practices that I really am able to show up for myself uh, because without reflection, it feels like life is happening to me versus like I'm an active participant in embodying my own day-to-day. -day. Um, and that's been a huge part of just awakening myself um, and holding myself. Um, and there's small things that I do to like remind myself of um, the inner child. Like on my phone, I have um, <laughs> a picture of myself <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have such a big forehead. Or maybe I think my bangs, for, for some reason, they're like 90s. They came from the back of my head. <laughs> um, and it made my, I think it made my head bigger, I hope. <laughs> I just like, I was like, thanks, Bob. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have that haircut, but um, yeah. So I, I have little pictures of like little little baby Ton and in my altar as well as as well as a actual like a nude of mine. Um, I self portraiture now as a healing modality as a way to express myself. Oh my gosh, that has been transformative as fuck lately. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I feel like I'm more connected even like than ever before with my bodies because for a long time I I never really looked at it and appreciated it for myself I only felt seen if someone else was appreciating me um mm. that external validation was all I ever craved because growing up I was told a lot of things about my body my skin color and my hair and 
a lot of it was from my own family, but like, and, you know, just like microaggressions from people that, that mean well, but don't really know the impact of their words. And then um, until I started taking photos of myself with that intention um, to really look and remember like how happy I was in that moment and what it felt like to just be like so connected to what I call like my inner goddess. Um, it's that inner divine. I feel like everyone is has like that God inside of them. But I, I say God X is a non-binary term. <laughs> um, also, I like that the X, I put like a triple X in the back. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, for me, my inner goddess taps into my like sexual power. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, because, oh, yeah, so a lot of it is like a reclamation too, because um, all my, my like, I guess whole life, like there were certain body parts that I don't really jive with. And um, there's certain things about be, being conditioned and female. But, to being a sex assigned as female at birth and then conditioned as a woman growing up that I didn't really feel all the way aligned with, um, all the way. So it, until I was introduced to the word like non-binary or gender non-conforming, uh, like this, it, what, what took me a long time to find the words, um, to my experiences, I, I started to think that I had to also look a certain way in order to be perceived a certain way um yes there's a thing about androgyny that people are more hmm, they valid there's a validation and affirmation of gender expression being um not cisgender um, when you're able to show up in, in some kind of form of androgyny or masculinity, whatever it is, that people are more likely to see you as, oh, okay, so you're you're a little different. Um, whereas for me, like I'm, since I'm a non-binary person who's very, I guess, quote unquote, feminine and feminine presenting, um, it's harder for people to see me, um, and sometimes it's easier for me to hide. Um, and I've had to deal with a lot of like internal things around that. But the moment that I started to see my body as a non-binary body versus a body that is trapped in um, what other people wanted to see me as, uh, that's when I started to really go wild with self-portraiture. <laughs> Yeah, I never really took nudes in the ways that I do now. <laughs> but it's um because I'm I'm like I'm in my like energy of um this is mine. Like this is my body. Like no one's mm -hmm. going to ever take that away from me and I'm going to express whatever the fuck I want. It's mine. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, y'all, there were so many things in what Ton just expressed and I think the theme that I was really feeling, Ton, was this, this remembrance and coming back into your body and doing it in, set, in so many different ways of revisiting yourself, you know, back in old journal entries and really coming into like a spiritual and like an embodiment space to create healing there um, within coming into your own like recognition and reclaiming of your identity and your your queerness and just 
everything, right? Like there's so many practices it sounds like you've been tuning into with with the portraiture and looking at photos of yourself as a child. And there's just so many ways to come back to the body. And, you know, the community of self-remembrance, that is what the message I am also feel like I'm here to express because the body is the vehicle. It's the vessel that we move through this life in. And even in moments of life when our mind has checked out because we did not feel safe, um, the body was still experiencing what was happening. And, you know, from that then comes different forms of dis-ease and different forms of experiences and stories and traumas and just all of these things. And it sounds like you have come into such practices that feel so authentic to you, right? Like we have all these beautiful different healing modalities that are maybe more well-known, massage, acupuncture, you know, stuff like that. And there's also this authenticity I feel like that you're bringing with this like the nude portraiture and the journaling and just like there it's just beautiful it's just beautiful to hear your practices and how as you come more and more into those it sounds like you are now so much more in your body and there's there's this beautiful awakening that has been happening for it sounds like a few years now and <laughs> things like joy and pleasure are really, can feel really far away. Um, and I would love for you to maybe speak about that, like in times where you feel like it's far away and what that experience is like for you and what is it like then to bring it closer into your space and then to breathe it in a little bit more and then feel the embodiment of it. And then your spirit comes alive and like, yeah. What's that like? <laughs> oh, thank you. That, that was a beautiful, thank you for receiving all those messages in that way and, and really witnessing me and hearing me. And yeah, I love that your message about remembrance. And it's, it, it really is when I feel um, what healing is, what healing does is that um, the remembrance and re reunion of all the things that have been disconnected and taken away from us. Um, especially the body. Yeah, that's where it came from, uh, for me at least. It's like the centerpiece of like of my healing is how I em embody pleasure every day um, and joy every day. Um, and I love this question of diving into the moments where the joy feels so far and the pleasure feels so far. You know, it always happens for me when I am not aligned with my values. Um, when there there is harm that I either caused or I'm experiencing, and suddenly I'm back to being a little child, and I'm scared, and I'm punishing myself for not knowing better, or whatever myth that I need to give myself and it to atone, because that's what I was conditioned to believe to do um, religiously and. In any space of authoritarian, like authoritarianism, like whether it was the religion or whether it was my family or even the school system and the way it is here in the, in the United States. Um, yeah, I, 
I definitely realized from an early age that I really don't like authority. <laughs> and um, it showed. So like in school, it was very odd. I was a kid that uh, I did well in school, but I, I never paid, I, I talked too much. And I didn't care because I got the good grades. So I didn't like, really listen. Um, I also have a lot, like a, a huge discipline record. <laughs> if anyone were to look at my high school as a youth, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. I did all these things, got good grades, and and extracurriculars. But I always, I always rebelled. Um, anyways, and so because I I carry that with me, this like um, culture of punishment that we all live in and suffer from. It comes so clearly. Um, it just like it springs back up, and I have to fight it, um, and I get tired. Um, and so for me, when joy and pleasure is so far away, it sounds very, <laughs> uh, very, very. It might just sound very superficial to some, but I just want to take some time to remind to like explain why. But when that happens, the first thing I'm reminded to do is um, if it, if I'm not ready to talk about it, I no matter what put on something that I feel beautiful in, put on whatever I need to put on my face or do something with my hair, um, go out to the park. If, 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 if I need that alone time still, I will still put on like this drag basically of joy and pleasure on my body um, just so that I can remember what it feels like to care for myself. It starts with those small things eventually I'm able to talk about it. Um, I notice that when suffering happens, especially when harm happens, whether it's you're the one causing it and you isolate yourself or you're isolating yourself from someone who's causing you harm, the, the isolation happens. I mean, it's a lot of, um, it's how punishment is. I mean, solitary confinement is, is there for a reason. Um, it is inhumane to be isolated um yeah i can go on and on about that but like there's yeah. anyways um so when i'm breaking through this um con and getting through this connection by putting on the joy drag and going out and feeling good somehow um, i also like to return to the photos that i told you about um just to remember who i was like i can i have to remember that this isn't forever that at one point even all the photos that come out the best are really in the moments where I am coming out from the darkest places. Um, and if I need to, I'll, I'll, I'll take photos of myself um, if, if that's what I need to get through the day. Um, and it's the reminders of who I am and what I stand for and that I, I deserve, you know, I deserve to, to take space. I deserve to, uh, to rebuild and to come back. Um, that remembrance is what happens when I'm like as simple as like putting on a nice outfit and walking to the park or talking to my sister. Um, we have like bare, like almost a daily ritual where we check in with each other. Um, and through the pandemic, I feel like we've gotten a lot closer. I mean, we're having conversations I never thought I could. And I'm looking at her like I did my old self in my journals, you know, like, I'm just seeing my, um, like, just this uh, revolution in my sister. 
um, in us and even my mom, like in ways that I feel like we're breaking these patterns that were inherited for generations. So whether it's that pattern of being with um, or trapped with people who make us feel less, um, whether it's the patterns of forgetting to care for ourselves first because we are a caretaker um, above everything, um, whether it's forgetting that, that we are, no matter what si uh, part of the process it's we're in and healing, we still deserve kindness and love and understanding. Um, that there's those are the parts that I realize that I'm seeing in um, other people when I'm sharing like oh I I am going through this and it's okay it, it this is actually the first year I've ever spoken about and reached out for support and while I need it I usually try to isolate and fix quote unquote fix myself um, so that it's less harmful because my I thing I say. To to myself I don't know if it's a tourist thing but it's like I, I I need to make sure that what I'm experiencing doesn't hurt somebody else uh especially now recently more recently um, than before like I'm really starting to see that like you don't you can't really rely on everyone to hold space for you um and sometimes even just simply talking about it is not actually moving through it that there is an embodiment that you have to have in order to really release that energy. Um, yeah, before I used to just, I thought, oh, talking about it. Okay, let me talk about it to like several people. And I realized I was just reliving it. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, this is not not quite there yet. And then I, embodiment is when I really, people started teaching me that. I was like, oh, okay. So you have to really think about like, where does this hurt and pain live in the body? And how can you find like, find awareness and bring back to yourself and it's always with these like pleasure practices that I have whether if it's um, not if it's dressing up and dancing or if it's me um, taking a mindful like shower like and just listening to the water like I did this morning um, or feeling the warmth on my skin and just being grateful I think the past couple of days, I've been doing this thing where I look up to the shower head and say, thank you. And I was like, thank you for letting me control the temperature. <laughs> like small things like that, like um, that brings me to joy. Oh, I guess the fast track is gratitude. Oh, yeah, gratitude for sure. Um, that's why I do time travel, um, meaning like I look back at my own journals. I look at both the, the pain and the joy to remind myself that, oh, my God, anything is possible. It's um, this moment, even if it's immense joy or immense pain, it's not meant to be that way forever. Like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm meant to live and breathe in, in between and throughout all of these feelings because I'm human. Um, whereas, like what I'm conditioned or was conditioned, we all are conditioned is that we're supposed to be flatline happy <laughs> uh, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Um, so if you're angry, you better hide it. <laughs> if you're sad, please don't talk about it. It's awkward. <laughs> like there's all these like policing within our emotions and range as human beings that I notice um, that I, I just think is uh, just a silly. 
Uh, <laughs> but I understand why. Like when you, if you can police someone's emotions and also if you can convince someone that they deserve less, oh, you can get away with a lot in the world. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like that's what I'm seeing. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it sounds like it sounds like a really active choice for you when you are in a space of experiencing dis-ease or discomfort or pain or sorrow, right? It's it's this of course, never bypassing what's there and what's alive. And it's also at some point coming up and out and choosing, choosing today. Still, I'm not feeling super, super close to joy or to pleasure. However, I'm going to choose to put on this outfit and go to the park. I'm going to choose to look up at my shower head and say thank you. I'm going to choose to, before I eat my food, say a little prayer over it, you know? And it's like, for me as well, within this, these experiences, it's like these small actions then lead up to the embodiment of it, right? It's just all of these little steps that we get to take throughout the day and throughout our lives that then create this, this bigger masterpiece, you know, and that, that is, is, I don't know, for me, like a breath of fresh air, because, you know, we think when it comes to healing and transformation, this big thing has to happen, you know, and like it will sometimes. And it's like in every single moment, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What you said right now just reminds me of um I have done done, done a lot of crying recently and I, I was too. Never, yeah, right? And I'm so happy that I am. Like it sounds weird to say that, but it's like instead of having a big, big thing happen and then the tears come, like almost like they take over me. Um it's more so like the smallest things are giving me release. The smallest um, remembrances are giving me release. And one of the big ones that I am so appreciative happened last week. Um, I was doing the dishes. I was like dancing to like, <laughs> like I, I had my, I called it my scene queen baby ton playlist on Spotify it's just like I love that. station. <laughs> Hawthorne Heights. Oh yeah, that's the song. It was <laughs> Hawthorne Heights. I think it was like uh Nikki FM or something. I forgot when that dark song. Yes. I was jumping up and down for some reason that was just giving me vibes and I'm showering. I mean showering, washing the dishes. The next thing you know, I stop and for some reason I just cried. I cried so hard that I like I, I had my head over like the sink. And I like just let this thing loose. And I was like, whoa, I am so grateful that that came out. Like whatever it was, it obviously came from nostalgia. It came from my past. And and, and what's so beautiful about that, at this moment again, where I was like jumping up and dancing with a, um, with like um, with other folks about with like the same kind of like music, nostalgic music. We just decided to put it on and dance it too. Um, and 
I was like, oh my God, this is, this is amazing. So I was like crying to the same kind of music like a week ago. And now it's just giving me just immense joy. And that's, so that's the thing about um, being, finally being open. I think that's, uh, it's almost like I find it the same experience when folks are awakened to injustice. It's like once you see, you can't unsee it. And you're open in such a way that's so tender. Um, it's not that it wasn't there, it wasn't happening, but you've arrived to a point where you can fully witness it and start to critique it and try to find other ways of being that doesn't cause harm. Like and that's the journey of, and the, and the beautiful inter intersection of social justice change and spiritual awakening that I love so much. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah and i feel yeah i i that's what i um resonate with a lot and um when it comes to tears i think the same way like it wasn't like i wasn't sad it's just i couldn't yet fully embody my sadness and i couldn't let it go yet but when i did oh my god everything is just shifted and it, it gave me more room for the next round of tears to come and flow mm. really easily, like the wind, on, and really laughing and just like feeling that laugh in my belly. Yes. It just allows you to just really embody any emotion with 100% when you're able to. You just have to open up those doors. And then, and I believe that it happens when you're, I don't, I strongly believe that it happens when you're in reconnection and like aligned with yourself and really connected with your body um but however modality or practices that people take whatever it is i just hope that they hold on to it because um the way the pace in which life is going and the urgency in which all of our news is given not even given to us like thrown at us um it is really hard to slow down and adrian marie brown says that like um, she's a teacher of pleasure activism, so they are just amazing. <laughs> wrote, a, wrote a bunch of books about um, other things that uh, movement work that's really influential right now, and they mention um, that the act of pleasure is slowing down and fighting against this narrative of urgency, as well as pleasure being a measure of liberation. Um, yeah, because you know, it, it's ease. It's joy. It's everything opposite of capitalism and white supremacy and greed and whatever you want to call it. Um, it is the gateway and pathway that, and I believe rebellious joy in that way is, is like, is what the energy that it takes to, like I, like I guess I said earlier, to create that world for all of us. Um, it's, that's why I just, I believe in it so much. I really feel, um, not because it's just within my own, experience but when i meet leaders out there making work um making change work happen whether it's either spiritual or um, grassroots organizing or whatever position of influence that they're in they're always talking about some kind of awakening that they have um that they were like this is this is not right i have to no this is not right even the ways that i'm trying to create change is not right like the constant like reflection and accountability that they talk, they carry is like amazing but you have to get there by having a connection with yourself um, and then it brings you so much closer to other people um, whether they have the same experiences or not um, 
just in witness of someone else's joy too and their full expression of themselves man that inspires people just like thinking about like what what experiences and practices can bring us like closer to ourselves and like getting closer to each other um yeah i just feel like that's the i feel like that's the heart of like what it means to co-create like a liberated world Mm. I, i keep coming back to it um, and it's not just me, like, I feel like religion says that somehow, you know, like, there's, like, you know, like, I'm not, I didn't, like, invent something, like, I'm, <laughs> um, that's, um, and also, like, the thing about, um, I think I just want to share one thing, it's like, uh, when I thought about, um, when I really deep, deeply think about, like, how amazing humans are, um, I, I also want to acknowledge that like our mind and our values and our heart things that we can't see that it's so powerful because if you think about it like we kind of take for granted not take for granted but we kind of are born into the generation of this idea of equality that's been running in the background but however people think about it in generations and generations but at one point that was a collective consciousness that was just an idea it was a rebellious idea actually and now it's like just one of the cornerstones of like what people think of is humane is equality. That took a lot of people changing minds of others and hearts of others. And one of the things that I am Adrian Miller Brown also talks about is that like movement work and even spiritual leaders, sometimes there's we're on a people are on a certain path of change in their life that we often forget who we were before our awakening. And that we need to give our others the same compassion as we did, hopefully, as we did ourselves. I mean, I hope that no one just atoned and martyred themselves into like changing the world because that's definitely not a place um, to be inspired from. It's it, it can perpetuate more harm. Um, and yeah, that's another piece of why like I continue to kind of go back and just like reflect because um, if I don't have the same compassion for myself. I can't see that same intention to this to a new person who maybe is just to me. I mean, I'm valid as well to experience like a lot of fear and and, and um, anger and pain from whatever misconceptions that are guiding their words or their actions towards me. Um, but for what keeps me back to like compassion is remembering like I I was the same way to myself and other people before I was able to like make that change. So it stops the cycle of harm for me. Like I'm not going to respond to harm by harming someone else. Um, at least I try not to. Um, but that's, yeah, that, and the same goes to myself. Like if I'm hurting and I'm in pain, why the fuck am I going to keep hurting myself? I'm already in pain. <laughs> Like, so that's why the the joy comes in. Like, I'm like, okay, I feel like shit. I'm going to try to feel myself feel better at least just so that I can move through this and learn from this. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, you spoke so beautifully about what I heard was it's this sneaky energy that, that lives within all of us of resistance, right? We resist feeling fully because you talked about that baseline of happiness that always has to be there, right? We have, there's this piece within us that is resisting what our soul is truly calling out for. And 
so much of what we've been talking about, you know, within pleasure, within joy, within activism, within these movements, within all of this, right? Within spiritual awakenings is the soul arriving in a place of receiving such powerful medicine of whatever that, whatever that is, whatever it's calling out for. And it's like, when we, when we drop (laughs) all of the shit, right. All of the busyness and trying to be productive and, you know, all of this other stuff that keeps us distracted from really feeling and really seeing what our soul is calling out for. When we come into a space where we're really listening and we we create a practice of just listening and listening and coming back and coming back that resistance that mask that shield that we have been born really to to put up and keep up for for multitudes of reasons it starts to soften and in that we soften to ourselves and in that we when we soften within ourselves, as you're saying, then we soften towards others and then we create these connections and then these connections create a movement and then these movements create literally global change. And so what's so beautiful about all of the guests that are here um, for season two is all of you have really attuned, become in tuned with your soul's medicine and what really helps them sing, you know, helps your soul sing and really be in that presence. And that does not mean it's always rainbows and butterflies, right? We've talked a lot about that. It's a lot, a lot of it is fully experiencing what is alive in the moment, right? Just as you were listening to that song and you were like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Oh shit. I'm feeling it. And you, and you gave yourself to it. You're like, I'm going to feel this whole thing. I don't know how long it's going to last. Same thing happened to me this morning. I was in an embodiment practice and some movement in my body brought me back to where I was a year ago, which was a lot of stuff was happening a year ago. And I just, I think it was the first time that I really cried about what happened and just created that space. And I just, I let it go. I was probably crying for an hour throughout the whole embodiment practice. And afterwards I was like, oh God, that felt so good. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So for those of you who are listening, Tan is obviously, I mean, just a shaman, a medicine person, just full of wisdom, you know, and I'm sure you have received so, 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 so much from them. And you know, um, there's just, there's so many gems within this whole entire conversation. It's hard to even focus, you know, like what, what do we even talk about next? So <laughs> I guess what I would love to ask is, um, as we close out our spaces, is, is there anything else that feels really alive for you that you want to share? Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely just, I think the last piece, um, that I, I do want to share is, um, I think going back to this, if I were to trace backwards, where did the people that I grew up with and the ways that they treated me, like what did they learn their harm from? Um, And then go back even further to like, who taught them? 
I just keep going. If I were to keep going and going and going, I don't think I would ever pinpoint one person that is the source of any evil. Um, I believe that it is easier to think that and accept that, um, especially when looking at those who were supposed to take care of us, whether it was your friends or authority figures in your life, your parents. Um, it's easy to hold on to certain figures or even, I don't know, the president, for example. Like, regardless, it's easy to look at a person and, and think that they represent all in the world that is wrong. Um, and then we can focus that energy on finding any signs of that person and anyone around us so we could just like, cut them out, cancel them, whatever the heck it is. It feels safer to live that way. And oftentimes, it's more, people are encouraged to do that. Um, I am more encouraged to do to cancel a friend than I am to like tell someone, "Oh, I'm I'm actually going to have a conversation with them after everything that's happened." And it's it's um this disposability politics. Um, when someone causes harm, it's like this belief that they don't deserve community. It gets to the point of you know, let's imprison them. Let's put them all in a certain place where they don't get whatever it is that they actually need to really thrive in life until they quote unquote are better. And um, that system and belief is what perpetuates harm and belief. And, it, and when I, I just wanted to like emphasize that and elevate that because as folks who are in the process of hopefully awakening from and changing the cycles of multi-generational um, trauma, I hope that we also see uh, the humanity and, and, and the and soul of ourselves in all of us, um, whether it's the person like you're most afraid of. And I am certain that there's people like that for everyone. Um, or if it's even yourself, because I know there's a lot of self-hate that is internalized because of this, again, the system of punishment that we are born into, that we're dismantling right now. Um, that's, I hope that these, whatever practices that brings people closer to that truth, that they deserve more, that we all can, we can, can coexist in a way that's loving. Like that belief versus like, actually, no, some people deserve blah blah blah, <laughs> and I deserve blah blah blah. Like I help I, when we move towards a place of like whatever pathway that looks like. Um, I just hope that folks remember that like deep compassion that is possible for themselves and for others. Just because the world is pretty heavy as it is, and to carry the weight of punishing yourself and punishing others on top of just trying to live and create good in the world and for yourself. You know, I hope we, we move on by caring less and just like feeling more. <laughs> um, yeah, and that and that's all. No biggie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Closing message, just like the biggest. <laughs> so if you could just do one thing. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah which i think comes back to your your medicine of rebellious joy and pleasure even in the midst of pain and hurt 
and experiences with others um, who have caused harm or if we've caused harm to ourselves in some way or another, right? Choosing, choosing joy, choosing love, choosing pleasure, choosing and moving through your own process to arrive there, right? Um, yeah, I can, I could definitely feel how your work then really taught. It, it is a movement, right? Um, it's something that that lives and it and it breathes, and I'm sure it's going to live way past your lifetime, you know, and okay. just continue on. And I'm sure that's definitely the legacy that you're excited to to create and to lead. So. I'm pumped to see it. <laughs> so I would, if you would like, um, I would love for you to close out the space, whether you want to invite us into a few breaths or some sort of laughter practice or visualization or just, I don't know, anything that you want to do to close it out. I would just, I would love it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, there is a laughter practice that I do. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'll just, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, so the body doesn't really, it's smart, but sometimes if you force a laugh, it doesn't really know the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do this when I really need to pick me up. Um, and it's, I'll do a short version of it just cause like, it's, I don't know how it's going to sound in the podcast, but, <laughs> um, so it's like you use, it's something you can do when you're sitting down too. It's, um, engaging with your four limbs um, and it is basically shake, um, waving up and down your left hand, like one, two, three, four, five, and then letting out a laugh and then doing the same thing, one, two, three, four, five in your right hand and letting out a laugh and doing the same thing for your left foot and your right foot. And you keep doing it until you count down all the way to one. So like one, two, three, four, laugh, one, two, three, four, laugh. So I'll just do the five. And so people could hear it and then people could practice it on their own. But it's really fun. <laughs> so okay, if you'd like to join me. I'm definitely okay. I'm definitely going to join. I am going to mute myself because, yeah, I don't know how the sound will play. But just know, <laughs> y'all, I'm going to be cracking up the whole time. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> No, the feet one's funny. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> one, two, three, four. 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 <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> one, two, three. Your feet. <laughs> one, two, three. <laughs> okay. One, two. <laughs> one, two. <laughs> I know. <laughs> one, two. <laughs> One, two, okay, this is fun. One, <laughs> one, <laughs> one, one. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> you liked it. <laughs> you know, oh fuck. You know those I can't breathe. It's like it's like one of those and your your laugh is so contagious. I'm like, how can I <laughs> what I'm here like he <laughs> <laughs> Oh, feels good. I love that. I'm going to use that from now on. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I hope you do. It's so fun. <laughs> Thank you. And for those who are listening, if you were able to tune into that, 
I hope you enjoyed it as well. Obviously, come back to this episode whenever you're needing a laugh and Tan will guide you through <laughs> that incredible exercise um, or just do it on your own. What a great little, what a great practice to to continue to integrate. Again, like these practices that you um, have, they just feel so authentic to your essence and your vibration. Oh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, someone just rang my doorbell. Um, <laughs> okay, y'all, we're like in the middle of recording. I'm in my home and I someone's at the door and someone sent me flowers in the middle of us recording this episode. So if, y'all, if that isn't manifesting rebellious joy and pleasure, I do not know what is. Right? <laughs> oh, all right. Wow. I can't, I'm like about to cry. I can't think of like a better way to like close out this, this episode. Like y'all, I'm like glitching the fuck out right now. Like we just did this amazing laughter practice. Tan is an incredible human who just gave us all of this wisdom. And then here comes these flowers that just like arrived. Like what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Okay. I'm okay. Um, <laughs> you can't um, make this up. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. <laughs> Ton, you are so amazing. Thank you so, 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 so much for spending this last hour or so with me and just sharing, sharing your story, sharing your truth, sharing your medicine, sharing uh, realness you know, stuff that's not always easy to talk about. And you're raising your hand and you're like, I'm talking about it because I'm starting a fucking revolution and we're going to do, we're going to do all the things that we need to do in order to arrive in that place. So thank you so much. This is beautiful. Thank you for listening and hearing me and holding me and, and being that anchor. Um, I was definitely like nervous in the beginning, um, and now I, I just feel so, so much lighter. Um, like as if I cried, but I didn't. You know, like that kind of feeling. And um, and I'm so happy for you. Those beautiful, those flowers are so beautiful. <laughs> it's just, and I just love that it came at such a wow, it's just a divine time. I'm really happy to 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 be invited into your space like this, and I um. Just I love that your focused work is on soul medicine and remembrance. Like this is such such a needed like uh, practice and way of being, especially right now. And I just really thank you for allowing me to be a part of it in some way. Mm. Yes, of course. Yes, I'm. I am also so excited to be in collaboration and connection with you, and you know. For all of you who are listening to be in Tan's world in the show notes, I will post their Instagram handle and all of the places that you can find to work with them. And I mean, y'all, I was in Tan's presence for like literally an hour and flowers manifested <laughs> at my doorway. So I'm just saying <laughs> if you're if you're feeling the call to connect with this beautiful human please do. Um, 
And thank you all of you who are listening, for who are tuning in, who are a part of this community and who are committed. You're committed. If you're listening to these words, like you are already that much closer. You are that much embodied. You are that much in your own being, receiving your own soul medicine. You're that much in your being of, of joy and pleasure and remembrance and embodied liberation. So let's just take one final deep breath in through our nose and a deep full breath out. And thank you everybody so much for tuning in to this incredible conversation today. And until next time, may you be well, sending you lots of love and presence wherever you are. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Self-remembrance is a sacred space for you to reconnect to the wisdom of your body. To learn more about our offerings and join our community, visit self-remembrance.com. Thank you so much to Terry Griffin for the incredible music at the top and bottom of this episode and to all of you who are ever so present within our community. This is Megan Armstrong and until next time, sending you love, presence, and self-remembrance.